0: Hi crew and welcome back to the BioCast. It is your host here, James Rankin. This week I'm joined on the show by Mr. Mr. Richard Akives. Richard is a friend and colleague of Dr. Ed, who I had on the show previously. If you haven't, go back and listen to that episode. It was great. Uh, myself and Richard sit down and we talk about uh, what he's working on right now um, and his views on emotions and the relationship between that and fitness and then we dived into a little bit of nutrition as well. A little bit different conversation this week compared to maybe the normal uh, fitness and nutrition conversations that you might have heard in the past. This is one of the more enjoyable ones that I've been part of and Richard will definitely be back for part two and maybe a feature with Dr. Ed as well. As always, crew, if you haven't already, please subscribe or follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and from here, please enjoy the show. Richard, welcome to the Boocast. How's it going, man? Nice to be here. It's really good to have you here. Um, Rather than the standard elevator pitch and ask people who you are and what you do, um, why don't you tell us what gets you really excited these days? What are you like geeking out on?
1: Right now is creating the proper constraints for an overall health, wellness, fitness, uh, mental, emotional program. So how do you actually develop the proper constraints and guidelines so that you can take anybody from any background and allow them to be able to perform, not just, you know, in a sport or sports specific or professional level, but also in the, at the relationship level, at the emotional level, um, the mental level, the physical level. So how do we create um, a fitness program that is much more than just fitness, to be able to complement everything else in someone's life. Wow,
0: <laughs> that's heavy, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm super. I, I'm. I. am super i am it has been. It's been. I would say the last year or so that I've been really kind of going through it. Yeah. Um, but these last four or five months have really started to come together, and I'm starting to actually create the branching trees and with Dr. Ed Caddy, who is one of your guests. Uh, we've been really kicking out on it and going back and forth. So we're going to have something here pretty soon. that's going to be, I would say, revolutionary and a paradigm shift in the fitness and health world, which I'm excited about.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, one of the words you, you use there, and I, I, I followed you for a long time from a distance, just like kind yeah. of creepy stalker vibes. Right. And one of the words you use a lot, and I've started to use, and it's, it's probably from you is constraints. Yeah. um can you just like double tap on that on the importance of having them in some sort of health and fitness and wellness program why do we need constraints
1: yeah I think that it's it's a their accountability mark accountability markers um, and their guidelines to get you to your long-term objective right to your there's a reason in the health industry or the fitness industry especially that people come to see you right? And they're usually not for a long-term vision of health. They're usually for a very short-term reward of losing weight, uh, getting stronger, performing a certain skill set. Um, those are more means goals. They're, they're, they're medium-term goals. What happens afterwards? And so if I can understand the true objective of you wanting to be here, whether it's, you know, creating safety in within yourself or within the world around you, uh, finding confidence to take action in certain parts or aspects of your life uh, or in the gym, uh, or being able to perform for a sports specific task or for you know, something real world related, you know, whatever that may be, um, then we can set the proper guidelines. And for me as a coach, I can now really help you navigate and hone in what avenues we need to explore. So if your objective is to perform in powerlifting, we are going to need some 5K runs, maybe a little bit of that metabolic conditioning, but, you know, don't be doing Metcons and, you know, long endurance workouts because that's your background, but now you want to get into powerlifting, that's your comfort zone, right? So let's let's create those proper guidelines, those proper constraints for you to go towards those means goals. And then after that is what is the objective, right? So what comes after that powerlifting need? What comes after, you know, hitting that marker of being stronger, again let's describe let's get the definition of stronger but what comes after that and so if i can really understand somebody on what their vision is then we can really start to set these constraints in place which can start to change but you know let's let it, it it allows me to create the the proper roads for people to start to follow as a as a fitness navigator if you will yeah
0: it's like yeah it's like having that that north star that you're chasing but you can go left right side to side to get there. And you're still going in the same general direction. That kind of it. absolutely.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's a very practical example would be I want to, you know, I have a lot of clients that come from nagging shoulder pain, hip pain, so on and so forth. And they want to do a certain lift. So the constraint is you can do this lift, as long as we're not uh, we're feeling less of that discomfort in the lower back, right. Or no discomfort in that lower back. And so then my goal in that session will be to show them how they can do this lift without the discomfort, build up the structural muscles and the proper tension in the right areas. And then from there, as they want to get back to that 200, 300, whatever kilo lift, the constraint is remember the constraint, the original constraint is stronger, which means we don't have that low back pain yeah. or we don't have that discomfort in the hip.
0: Mm love it love it um you mentioned like all the stuff that you're working on it's that very holistic view um Mm -hmm. one of the words that sparks my interest a little bit is emotions Um, yeah and and people can look you up whenever they've listened to this but looking at you you're you're quite jacked you're very strong you have that in, in, in intensity back. Just for legs, But exactly. But then you also come around and you talk about your emotions and how it's important to feel these things and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, where did that come from for you? Like was there you don't have to dive deep if you're not comfortable, but was there a trigger moment or what happened? Oh no, uh the um, importance.
1: Yeah. So I was in a rock climbing accident, uh, almost died, spent five months in bed, uh, spent, you know, 14 hours or so on the on 5,000 years of altitude on the mountain, trying to accept death yet fight for it. Um, and so, you know, as, as I did my recovery and I, I wanted to kind of get myself through it. Um, you know, I started CrossFit again and everything and life is emotional, right? It, it's, it's not anything that we need to get caught up in, but you see it left and right. When you work out, when, when it's an emotional workout, it doesn't, we, we, we seem to uh, kind of put emotions and being weak or crying or such, you know, or losing your temper as, as a weakness. And it's not a weakness. It, it's, it's actually extremely powerful. And it's something that I noticed early on in life whenever I would approach, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in, in in powerlifting and more barbell exercises and things like that. And again, searching that intensity But I would do things like I would go back squat for hours at a time. Like I would literally just go buy a piece of cake, like not a piece of cake. I would buy a whole cake um, and I would just start squatting. And I wanted to understand squatting, not by the biomechanical level or the levers, or I wanted to understand squatting for me. And one of the earliest things that I've picked up on in fitness is whenever you talk to the greats, they never give you the points of performance. They never give you the levers. They talk to you as they've experienced the squat. Yeah. And so the only way you can do that is by by going through it. And so I would put on happy music, sad music, angry music, rap, hip hop, house, right? And every time that squat would feel different. And I started to understand that if I wanted to squat the heaviest, yeah. I would need to be fighting with somebody, even if that somebody was with myself, but it was a war. And yeah. and so I started to have this approach very early on in my in my coaching and fitness career where Training is about expressing emotions, right? It's about these emotions that we can transcend on the barbell or on the workout or on the run that really allow you to have the experience and to have that expression of emotion. And so I would start doing, you know, when I would have back squats programmed in my gym, I would put on like fucking just some Dr. Dre, I would put on Snoop Dogg, you know, I would put on some heavy like Thug Rap, uh, Cypress Hill, uh, cutting linguist, you know, the list goes on, but you get the idea, right? Like early nineties, like gangster rap. Yeah. And I would fucking start getting hyped. And I, I would give my, my clients an experience. I was like, guys, this is a fucking war. Yeah. Like, we're not here to just be like, Oh my God, the technique. I was like, no, no, no. This barbell wants to destroy you. It wants to see you down on the ground. Like it wants to crush your spine. Like, do you want to do something about it? or Are you going to let it defeat you? and people would start to get amped up and you would see that, that emotion, that energy go through to the barbell, yeah. right? So for, as, as things kind of continued, it was, it was the emotions are so important to train, mm-hmm. right? It, it, they can either make or break that training session or that competition, all of it, right? But it's, it's more important is like, if you're pushing down those emotions or trying to bury them deep down inside, then you're using training as a form to punish yourself for those emotions you're having. And, you know, I would notice, I would have women show up to the gym and they do a very hard workout and they start breaking up tears. And that, you know, I would see Marines that would have absolute just lose their shit because they couldn't get a muscle up or this or that. And so you start to see that, you know, emotions have a great way of expressing themselves in the gym. And that's where I kind of started to chase after I was like, every time that you do a workout, there is a certain percentage that goes towards the emotion side, right? So for me, I I always break down my workouts in physical, mental and emotional levels.
0: Okay,
1: right. Some workouts need to be absolutely physical, pure physical, right? And I'm sure you have a lot of more CrossFitters that might be listening. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of those workouts would be Fran. Yeah. Right. Fran is pure physical like there is no there's no strategizing you go faster <laughs> fastest 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 don't die don't stop you you, you keep going until you're there yeah. right there's no mental side you turn that off there's no emotions like don't start crying about it don't none of this there's no breakdowns you can break down afterwards but i want you to give me intensity for under 5 minutes hopefully yeah. to under 3 right that's what we're really searching for
0: yeah
1: right then you go towards something more along the lines of a um what's the one where it's uh, is it Amanda where it's like squat snatches and muscle ups? Muscle ups. Yeah. Yeah, that one's physical and mental, right? It's a 50-50 because there's a lot of coordination going on. Yeah. You have to really strategize because otherwise you're going to fail the snatch or you're going to fail the muscle up. So yeah. there's a lot of, a lot that needs to happen there. Right? There's a little bit of emotions but not really because the skill is too high up.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Right? Okay. And then you go into a workout that's Murph. I, th- I think for me, that's probably one of the most emotional workouts that CrossFit has ever put out because of the intent and the message behind Memorial Day Murph, right? It doesn't matter where you are in the world. We all have veterans. We're all very proud to be from our country. We all pay respects to the military and, with, and their services they've done. Yeah. And so if you ever have done Memorial Day Murph, the first 30 minutes before the workout is talking about why we're doing it and why the workout came about and thanking the military personnel and the veterans. And everybody's like, oof, right? It's a very emotional, like, I don't like to get too into it, even just thinking about it, I, I get goosebumps, like that experience, right? Like, you build it up and you're like, whoa, fuck, dude, like, we're going to go. Like, if you, if you put on, like, a, a video in the background of people that have done, you know, the story of Murph, and it's a very emotional workout. The physical and mental side carry you forward. But it's the emotion behind the intent of that workout that really gets you through it. Cause I was like, Oh my God, this is gonna be the most miserable hour and a half of my life. Right. <laughs> for most people. Yeah. But once you understand why you're doing it, you're like, man, we can fucking get through this because yeah. I'm not like, they, they sacrifice their lives to be over there for my freedom, for this, for that let's fucking go. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, that's, that's where you can really start to see those emotional side of the, of, of the workouts that need to be allowed to be expressed. Right. Um, I kind of went on a tangent, but we're kind of doing good. Right. No, um, yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, I, I think that the emotions in the gym setting are very, very important. Yeah. Um, you know, people come, I always say people come to a gym for a fuck you, right? And again, it's either a fuck you to the X, so I'm going to get jacked and ripped so that you can see what you're missing out on, right? Like, it's a fuck you to yourself because you've gained weight and you're starting to feel like a fat slob and you're starting to feel you're starting to lose confidence in yourself and, and what you're able to do. So you go, you start going to the gym, you start going to the gym to perform because somebody said that maybe you're not able to do this or, you know, whatever. So the gym is always like a fuck you moment. The question is, are you using that fuck you moment to elevate yourself or to push yourself further and further down?
0: Yeah. And, and so, so, yeah, go for it. All right. So how do you, as an individual, then how, how would one go about, ensuring that they're elevating themselves and not beating themselves down is that based on the type of workouts you do or
1: it's understanding why you're going to the gym
0: right so just getting into that right. why,
1: yeah understanding why you're going to the gym and and if you know if you guys are listening at home like ask yourself why at least five times and then you'll really start to understand the reason why um it's You know, you start to punish yourself. And again, uh, I think that you start to punish yourself in the gym when you start adding more and more volume. Yeah, Like if you start spending more and more time at the gym, it's it's being used as a form of escaping the real world, not necessarily embracing the real world. And so, you know, I think, again, setting those guidelines up. Um, So I think the first one is really understanding why you're going to the gym. The second one is, are you actually being present at the gym, right? So are you there hoping that the exercises will gear the results that you want, or are you there getting the results that you want, right? So a great example of this is I used to have clients that would come to my gym and the entire class, they would not be present. Yeah. Right. So either they'd be having conversations about this and that and so on and so forth. I could tell that their mind was thinking about the PTA meeting or the business and the taxes and the relationship and the dog and the this and the that. They were not present. They knew how to do the the movements, but they were not there present, present, present. Right. It was no longer a stressful situation for them Mm -hmm. and stressful in a positive manner. Right. So meaning they've under they've learned the skill enough that they can do it subconsciously you know, and a great example of that is like whenever you're driving early in the morning to work and you get to work and you're like, oh, fuck, get here. did I kill somebody? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like automatic. People do that at the gym. You can see it right away, especially within, you know, functional fitness gyms, things like that. Once they've acquired the skill and they don't implement more positive stress that forces them to be present, then they can zone out and do the exercise. So really understanding the reason why and understanding do you truly want to be there like it's a simple question and, and you know people it's not the answer that i want to hear it's like do you really want to be here like i don't care if it's the gym but you know maybe you want to go hiking or surfing instead like cool let's go do that yeah so i think that the the, the that's the the kind of some of the different guidelines that i use like are you actually hating being at the gym like are you using it as a punishment or are, are you really thriving and wanting to be here, make a change to yourself as a human. Yeah. Is how present they can be.
0: they can be. Yeah, I love that. It's funny now that you're saying that, like I, I can see that even I was coaching this morning and I can see it in some people that they're just they're either already thinking about the weekend because it's Friday, or they're in work before they've even started the class and just all those different things. Right. It's actually crazy yeah. say that.
1: Yeah. And I've been I've been going to some gyms and and watching people coach classes and, you know, I see people that show up to the gym, warm up before the workout, do the workout, and then go to another class. Yeah. And the workout was not easy. Like the workout is like an EMOM of double deadlifts and Russian kettlebell swings into a, you know, five rounds of sandbag squats, running and lunges. And I'm like, I'm going to, I would be destroyed, like destroyed. And these people are like, finishing the workout and then they're like all right i gotta go i'm gonna go to the spin class and so they don't even finish the cool down Hmm. so did they really do that exercise no she didn't she didn't put any effort or he didn't put any effort intensity or anything to it yeah they're just doing it as a as a form of again this this is going to give me the results which it will to a certain point right but but you're you're i think that you're educating the body incorrectly in that sense Because then again, there's no presence. She's already stressed about wanting to be in the spin class. So therefore she's not going to give all her effort into lunges because then the legs aren't going to work for the spin class. And the spin class is probably like, well, I'm not going to be here because I'm supposed to be going out with my friends tonight and go party and dancing. So I'm just going to go minimal effort here too. So now you're just wasting energy all the time, you know, without any issues. And, And, you know, I've always seen, you also see people like I'm sure that you've had these clients that have been with you for, you know, a few years, a few months, and there is no aesthetic change. No. And I'm like, you work out more than I do. Like, how is this possible? Right. But because they're not there presently. So therefore the body, I always, I always use the analogy, like if a, if a tree falls in the middle of the forest and nobody hears it, doesn't make a sound yeah. like if you did an entire workout, but you weren't there, did you actually do the workout? Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> questionable
0: up. and you, you did a workout, but there's no benefit to it. It's you've just, not pushed the body. There's no change that's going to happen.
1: It's yeah, it's being done passively. You're you're hoping the workout's going to give you a result. Understanding that you are the one that needs to give you the results, not the workout.
0: Yeah, I've listened to a, a few of the podcasts that you've done before, and you talk about like the relationship between stress and training. And um, if someone is super stressed is it better for them to go and do a type of training and if someone hasn't got any stress in their life or is in a kind of lower period is it important that they find a different type of training and like is is there a balance there should it change all the time what are your kind of thoughts and guidelines on that
1: yeah so you know i think life is never linear um and so therefore you know the again the constraints kind of start to change and it's going to be based more on where do you spend most of your time? Do you spend most of your time in a stressed state or maybe like a more depressive state? Um will kind of be slightly different the workout. Yeah. And so if you're in a more stressful type state or a more anxious type of state, um, there's a few patterns that I've noticed. The first one is you have a very hard time being present, mm-hmm. first of all. Um, you have a great way of allowing your brain to find excuses and for you to talk yourself out of doing certain things. Uh, so you like to lose, if you will, these events that come up in life, um, and you tend to have higher cortisol levels. Um, and you're also always trying to sabotage everything.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So for those people, um, I like to do more task oriented. So making sure that they understand what the workout is that they're going to be doing um, and making them pick a win for the workout, but they can only have one win. Mm -hmm. So one main objective for today, if you will. Um, And again, depending on on the anxiety or stress that they're coming in, you know, some people will have that's, again, it's just, it's such a, broad term, right? So if you have a stress life, well, stress life in what, in what aspect, in a professional one, in a, in a personal or relationship style, do you have stress towards deadlifts because they've messed up your back before? Uh, you know, do you get anxious about snatches because of your shoulder, you know, things like that. So it's, it's always going to be based on kind of what they're doing. Um, but basically the best way to kind of, if I have somebody that's going to be, that's always in a higher stressed state, I'm going to have a lower intensity workout that is going to allow them to be a little bit more internal and organize their stress a little bit more so they can set priorities, if that makes sense. So if I have somebody that is very high stress with kids, with family, with work, they have all these roles that they're having to complete. And the gym is the only place where they can feel themselves or allow themselves to kind of you know, be at one, but now all those outside factors are streaming into the gym, then I would put them on a more nasal breathing, right? So bring out those levels, bring down the levels, a little bit of of stress, uh, nasal breathing, low cardio, you know, so something along the lines of like, okay, so you're going to row 500 meters and then you're going to go into wall balls and then you're going to go into pull-ups. Um, and we're going to do this as long as you can maintain your, your, your breathing through your nose.
0: And that, that'll obviously affect the intensity as well.
1: Yeah, because you cannot, you won't be able to go past your your performance. So you, if, if the win won't come out of finishing the workout, the win comes if you can stay nasal breathing the whole time. Yes,
0: I see. Yeah, I get you. So
1: again, those guidelines, those constraints, the guideline, the objective is do the workout nasal breathing because people that are usually higher stress, they want to have a direction. So that's yeah. the direction, the winning part, is not finishing faster than anybody else. It's not completing more reps or more weight. The winning for you today is gonna to be just breathing through your nose. If you start to feel really stressed out and you wanna create a little bit more intensity, you can breathe through perch lips. Okay. But if you, you've you lost the workout and and I've set those constraints with people where I'm like, if you start to mouth breathe three times, you're going home. And literally before the warm up, and they're like, fuck. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, that was the rule. like you're sabotaging yourself. And so I need to teach you how to lose those fights. Like, you know, you, you failed here. Mm -hmm. That's on you. Be better next time. Right. So uh, it's my philosophy. Uh, But so those are, those are constraints that you can start to set with people where it's like, okay, so maybe you don't need to be thinking about the reps and the time and, and going into a constant competition. Every time you go into a functional fitness class, like maybe it's just, we're training right now and training for what, right? For me, training would be to perform better in the outside world to be more present when you go home and be with your family and your kids to be able to perform and create tasks and be more efficient when you're at work right i'm not going to the games and 99% of my clients aren't going to crossfit games or powerlifting worlds or any of that so performance is really outside in the world it's not what you do in the gym right we can test your fitness if you will within the gym once a month or you know every two months or maybe once a week whatever but The goal is, can I get you to deal with stress better when you're at home, when you're at work, right? And so that translates immediately over to that because now you know that I could, I just did 45 minutes of rowing, wall balls, pull-ups, and I did it all nasal breathing and I walked out and A, I organized my thoughts a little bit better because the nasal breathing also allows you to be a little bit more interoceptive to understand yourself and to kind of straighten your thoughts out. But I also was able to kind of move around to the capacity that my body and my nervous system can at the moment. But now I know that if I'm super stressed out at work or at home, I just need to, and I've learned how to breathe and deal with stress better in an outside environment. Amazing. That's not passive, right? And so the second one for me would be if you have somebody that's more on the sadness level and th- they need to be able to express, right? So for me, when I see somebody more on the depressive or the downside, is I need to get them moving, flowing. um, And it's not just about, hey, you should just be happier. No, it doesn't work that way. So I like to get those people to express, get a little bit more excited, express more a little bit of what we call a fight, right? Be a little bit more on that sympathetic side. So for me with those people, the the pecs are always kind of love muscles. So I love to bring people to that fight side or that sympathetic side by not allowing them to quit. So- what that means is usually when you have those people they have like a governor, so they'll start going and they'll reach a certain level of intensity. that gets a little bit uncomfortable for them. And so they'll just quit. They'll just yeah. stop me. And you're like, come on, man. You're like, eh, not feeling it. I could have done better, but whatever. Right. And so you're like, okay, so what can we do there? That's, this is where I like to bring up like songs because songs have a, you know, finite amount of time and songs that are repetitive will gear, you know, anywhere from 20 to 90 or hundred reps in four minutes.
0: Okay.
1: So you are gonna have to fight for those amount of times because I'm gonna have you hold in an isometric position, which allows massive amount of blood flow, but also gears the highest fight response of a muscle. Your your mind will quit before your, your muscles will. Yeah. And then I'm gonna add a dynamic movement, whether that's a floor press, bench press, uh, bicep curls, you can hold the top shoulder press, you could do squats, whatever you want. Um, and I'm just going to stick on them. And with a more stressed out person, I need to leave them on their own to learn their lessons and kind of figure themselves out with somebody that's more on the sadness or depressive side. They need to know that there's somebody there that wants to fight with them. They need to go out there with a community. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm going to be. I'm like, don't you fucking quit. I'm like, don't do it for you. Do it for me. Don't quit because of you. (laughs) You're you're not going to quit because of me and I'm here and I'm not going to let you quit. And I force that fight to come out and then you'll start to see a, you'll see a ramp up in energy. But, you know, yeah, I think with, with both of those, like the biggest thing that you can do is make sure that you're giving every time you're doing a class or a one-on-one, you're giving those clients an experience. What's the experience they're supposed to be going through, right? If you can do that, then it allows them to not be able to zone out because you're a leader And you're understanding what they've gone through because you've either done the workout or, you know, exactly what's going to happen. Um, And therefore they want to go there to, to have an experience every time. I think that that's when you start to see like either the, the rise of injuries, the rise of, you know, dropout and and people at the gym and such as when they, they're no longer having that experience. Cause how many times can you experience, you know, Fran and Murph over and over again to be, you know what I mean? Like, but if every time you're able to create that experience because you as a coach, as a leader of the community are going like, oh man, I've been through this. I know it's miserable, but we can do this, right? If, and you're constantly kind of educating and people keeping people active and present. That's what it's about. That's why these you know, functional fitness and boutique gyms are so amazing because they create this beautiful community where it's, it's your escape place. I mean, for nowadays, it's mainly you know, work, home, gym, Maybe coffee shop or a restaurant, but for the most part, it's one of those vital three to four places that a human goes to on a daily, daily, daily basis. So oh. it's up to you as a as a coach or a gym owner or a you know a PT to create these experiences for these people. They're paying for a service. That service is the experience. It's not the results of losing weight or getting jacked or you know hitting that two hundred kilo deadlift. Hmm. That's the byproduct. Yeah. it's the experience you gave them when they hit the PR it's the experience you gave them through that journey of losing the weight yeah that's what really sticks to them right and that's why when you see people that have an injury or you know gain weight again they have such a hard time losing it or coming back from it because they've they remember the the how difficult that journey was yeah and so now they're thinking fuck that took me six months or took me a year, or two years, and I'm starting from square one. So every time they go to the gym again, they're like, holy shit, I have two years ahead, blah, 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 blah. And then they go back, whoop, they get depressed, they get sad about it, and they go back to, to square one. Square and when they yeah. can't get out of that loop, shit. and that's well, that's those recurring injuries is because people don't understand that you need to start back at square one. Yeah. And so therefore, what they do, They keep, they try to go back to how they used to train. And so the body's not there yet so they crash they burn they come back crash burn come
0: back crash burn come over so i've got another question for you um divergent but similar sort of line um what role does like our nutrition and our food intake have on how we feel and our emotions and all that sort of stuff as well have you seen a a relationship there or is that something
1: yeah it's huge
0: (laughs) i was gonna say is it less important or more
1: there we go yeah um yeah. So for me, you know, when, when we are talking about how we feel and everything, there's, it's a, the human body, I feel is like it's extremely multidimensional, right. Um, and, and, and nutrition plays a big role. Um, not so much the macros of it, but I think the relationship towards it and just being able to auto-regulate yeah. What you're eating and how you're eating it, and the quality plays a huge role. Um, based on who I'm working with, will be dependent on if I'm going to work on the nutrition first, on the physical side first, or more just the emotional and conversational side first, right? So they all they all again have like a spectrum of how much needs to be done. Uh, but sometimes touching food is is a very touching food. Working with nutrition is a very touchy subject, yeah. right? Um, people are very bought into either macros, into carnivore, into vegan, into whatever it may be, or I'm not fucking doing anything. If you tell me to stop drinking Coca-Cola, I'm not working with you. Um, you know, when you look at some of those extremes, right? And so food is, is extremely emotional to begin with. Um, and I feel that creating a proper relationship with food And educating people on how to actually cook and how to play with these ingredients and how to really enjoy them. Again, being present with it is so much more valuable than counting your macros and eating chicken and rice. And yes, chicken and rice and broccoli is fucking great if you want to go compete. And you know what I mean? But if we're talking about emotional health, the one thing that us as humans have for social interaction, 99% of the times in all of history has been food. Right. I mean, I think the post-apocalyptic nuclear wars were evaded because they had food together. Whenever wars were evaded is because they would talk over dinner. Like food is so essential to who we are as humans. And we're being, we're, we're choosing to package it for a performance level that was based on bodybuilding. Yeah. On losing weight and again if you're not present it's not going to make a difference it's a passive approach to making changes in your body yeah like i've i have i have family members that will follow diets religiously like carnivore diet atkins they've tried them all right but they follow them religiously and their body does not change because there's not a good relationship to the food there's no social aspect to the food And when you're social and you're present and you're enjoying and you're cooking and you're trying, you'll notice that a you eat less, uh, you enjoy it a whole lot more. And there's there's a gratitude that's being given back to the food of sorts. Right. So I think it's very symbiotic. It's extremely emotional. And so some people are like food is fuel and I just want chicken and rice. Right. and I always like to change those people's minds. And so, you know, I'm not saying like go out and have brownies every day just because you're making brownies and eat them all the time. And you know what I mean? Like, of course, there's yeah. a balance there, um, but it has to—it ha- it has a lot to play with as far as like stress levels. Um, you know, kind of a fix. Like, I always know my wife is extremely stressed out because she'll go downstairs and grab anything that's sort of crunchy, and then she'll come back up and start working on the computer and snack on. Right? It's—it's a—it's a fix, if you will. And I know that whenever I have certain amounts of stress that has been building up, like I crave Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Right. Yeah. One,
0: man. That is me, whenever I'm stressed, <laughs> it's ice cream. Yeah. Always.
1: Yeah. And so I, and you know, it's okay. Like I, I accept that part, but then it's like, I'm not going to not have ice cream. Cause then again, it's a punishment, but it's like, yeah. do I deserve to have the ice cream? And am I am I going to enjoy it as I'm eating it or am oh, I just jeez. coughing it down? right it's it's a different approach and so again the intent behind it just like with workouts is everything yeah and you can try and justify it and whatever but you deep down inside know what you're doing and so for me like the nutrition conversation um you know i think is mainly learn more of that slow food movement and try to do new things and you know it's it's a it's It takes longer to cook your own food, but really take pride in it. And it's okay to fuck it up and everything. But it's like, you know, yesterday I was super busy. So I I was up at five o'clock in the morning trying to edit stuff and had a couple of clients in the U.S. that I talked to. I had to go to a different gym that's, you know, 30 minutes away to go do some content and talk to a client. I came back. I had more work to do and two work meetings. And I still found the time to make this beautiful New York steak, a not New York cut the boof. Uh, you know, 1.4 kilos, I still found the time to roast some vegetables, like, and it wasn't a rushed experience. It was like, this is a me time as well, right? It's very therapeutic, just like the gym can be very therapeutic. And so once you start to feel that way, then I think that you develop a much healthier relationship with food, you start to appreciate it a lot more, you eat a little bit less of it. But I think that it, it lowers stress levels and it, it, it lowers the expectation of, of these results that you're trying to get. Right. So I think that, you know, again, nutrition is very touchy feeling, especially with, you know, what camp you're in. Um, but for me, it's more of let's change the relationship to food. Um, and let's really allow you to understand how delicious food can be in a very simple way. Right. Like I love food. I love cooking. Um, and I have that culinary background, but it's it's a it's a craft as well, right? It's just like training. And I think the more you you can get yourself into it and, and experiment more with it, I think that gears a lot better results for mental health and for overall long term value and vision uh, abilities to to enjoy life and you know have safety and confidence within your own body as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I find it, while the nutrition conversations tend to be um, more slow burners than the training one. Like people tend to buy into the training philosophies quite quick, and um, mm-hmm. you can see and you can feel results. But nutrition ones tends to be, I find, they tend to have a lot more back and forth. But then, the impact that they have over every other aspect of life is is huge, huge. Like it makes yeah. you makes you training better, which is like the the lowest barrier and then it makes you a better person at work which is like the next thing but then like whenever you have like your kids or your spouse or someone who you really 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 care about not notice about how you look but about how you've been as a person like you're you're less cranky you don't shout as much right fun to be around whenever people say that damn that is game changing yeah
1: and so again it's it's about just like with movement and with everything else, nutrition is about being able to listen to your body. Right. So I run so much better on fats. Yeah. But my wife runs better on carbs. Like who's right and who's wrong. You know, like I need heavy meals at night. She, if she has heavy meals at night, she's like up all night with indigestion and miserable. And it could be the cleanest meal, whatever. But as soon as she's has, if she has, you know, X amount, it starts to hurt her stomach. So it's like, okay, so we've, let's take note of that. You know what I mean? And think about it next time. It's just a matter of, again, having these connections. But if you listen to somebody blindly or you're buying all these pre-made foods and, you know, all this stuff, again, you're passively wanting nutrition to affect you. Yeah. Like you want the nutrition to change who you are. No, you changing your nutrition changes who you are. Yeah. You making that conscious level, you taking that active approach to wanting to make a change, to being able to understand how you feel with certain foods, right? That That's what really makes you understand how nutrition can best help you and how you can either lower your stress or rise your stress, right? So like, you know, like I, I have, I've had clients that come and visit me for a week and they get stressed out that we're going to a restaurant or we're doing this. And I was like, man, like if you can't, you know, like, I think it was John Welborn was one of the best things. He's like, if somebody offers you a beer and you don't accept it because of your macros or this or that, like you're an ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm not saying, like, listen, there's Alcoholics Anonymous or people, you know, like, but you can ask, you could be like, hey, do you have non-alcoholic beer? Like the, the, the point isn't drinking the beer. The point is socializing and sharing over the beer. And
0: part of the thing. Yeah. yeah don't be the so, one standing out. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so like, oh man, like I've had friends that take their, you know, their things to get microwaved to a restaurant. Oh my God. Like it's not McDonald's, bro. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's a nice steakhouse. Like I believe they, you know, like, like certain things like that, where I'm like, I understand the dedication, but again, the dedication is for what? Like at this point you're punishing yourself and yeah, there's discipline and things like that, but it's like, what is the, what is the goal here? What, what are you really working for? And it, it's, it's being able to understand that. Why? But like when I used to see functional fitnessers and they'd be doing all this stuff and I'm like, cool, where are we going with it? When's the competition? What's the season? What, what, are, what are we training for? And there's no answer. You're like, why, why are you doing it?
0: Yeah. You know That's what I mean? Like I don't understand that why. Yeah. That's where you see people jump from. They do F45, they do orange theory and then they do CrossFit and then they go back and they do bootcamp. And then, well I'll try f45 again, and they, they never have a clear idea of what they're, what they're trying to get out of what they're doing. They're just trying to find the yeah. most intense, most ridiculous thing ever, and then they're the same people who do the most intense on their diets, they go the most extreme, they fall off the most, and then they tend to have the worst physiques out of everyone.
1: Yeah, but that's because they're again, they're passively going yeah. through hoping that that shit will gear the results. yeah. so at some point they're going to understand that it's them that needs to be there
0: yeah with the the food stuff what would be like your start say someone from what you said there about the food I, i recognize where where that happened for me as well and i i i started to change my attitude around things but if someone is like a they're a compulsive eater and they they don't know they don't know what makes them feel good and what doesn't where, where do you start with that liquid like, is should they just what, what i you would start into?
1: with either you know feeding windows or like intermittent fasting um and then from there take them into uh you know kind of snacking throughout the day with minimal proteins and then more protein or bigger protein meals at dinner time mm-hmm. um you know try and restrict the variation so you can see what's feeling good and what's not. And so what I mean by restriction, the variation is like, if you're going to go have dinner, like, keep it simple, right? Like, you know, sweet potatoes and a steak and some cauliflower, like three to four good ingredients. So that you can really start to see what starts to take place. Um, And just start taking note of how it makes you feel. Like I started to notice that if I have like those gummy candies or like the gummy bears, you know, any of those things, my mind, Gets really angry inside. Like I get very irritable, and I love them. I mean, I don't really love them, but like my wife has pregnancy cravings, and once you have one, you're like, oh fuck, I can kind I'll of keep going. Bag. Yeah, and I'll get super irritable. So now I just won't have them. You know. So it's just being able to again listen to what the body is telling you, and don't try and justify it. Right. And so that's a that's a back and forth. But yeah, I would say like, you know, start kind of bringing down the amount of variety, start with what you like. And then from there, we can start to add things in, um, you know, try and keep smaller meals throughout the day. And then at nighttime, have your, your set of protein or your bigger meal. Um, it'll kind of go along with kind of more of that circadian rhythm type philosophy. Um, and yeah, I mean, just try to learn to cook more, you know, like be present when you're cooking. I think that that makes a big one. Like People are always like, you don't eat that much, and I'm like, I eat what I eat, the perfect amount. But when you're cooking and you're 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 with the food and everything, for me, I love to cook for people. And so as I'm cooking and everything, I was like, oh, eat, eat. I was like, I'm okay. Like I've I've been tasting throughout while I'm cooking and everything. Like you you get a lot less hungry. Yeah. And so I think that's also a big one. Is like just learn to cook. Like play like play with your food. (laughs) In that sense, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um,
0: experiment
1: yeah yeah i've had i've had a lot of clients that it's you know they come from a very negative relationship with food where it's like yeah do the the microwave oats and the this and the that and they have all their week long but then you'll notice that when they're eating it's like they don't take into appreciation the amount of time that went into creating such a delicious meal or they don't put time into creating a good meal yeah. and so they'll just sit there and just shove it all in so then again it's it's you're just ingesting calories like how much of that is being digested at some point yeah
0: I, so yeah that's funny because i know that my relationship for my relationship with food changed drastically and that's when i started to really appreciate fine dining more mm-hmm. I, I know whenever i was. I'd say even right up until I was 23, 24, I'm 30 now. So whenever five, six years ago, I used to want value for money with food, as in like yeah. va- value. <laughs> We've all for, gone that not even value for money, but value for quantity. Like yeah, least amount of money for the most amount of food. And since I've changed my relationship with food, my appreciation for fine dining restaurants has like skyrocketed. Yeah. And it's like I I every time I go away somewhere. Um, for my birthday, the guys in the gym got me a voucher for one of the best restaurants in Dublin. It's just like, oh, beautiful! Everyone knows that that's my thing now, and it, that's exactly where it stemmed from. Because I'm like, right, this tiny, tiny meal, like pathetic yeah. amount of food, realistically, <laughs> but like I know that the the person who's plated it has gone to a farm to find the vegetables. They work with a butcher and wow. a, they work with the farmer, and there's just so much time and energy put into it. Yeah the appreciation goes through the roof that's
1: yeah and it's it's that right it's you know i have a so i love cooking food for everybody and uh my neighbor called me she's like hey i'll buy everything but let's make the steak tacos you made the other night and i was like yeah sure like let's plan for like either tomorrow or you know uh you know in two or three days and she goes Oh, why not tonight? And I was like, well, I need to like first, like I need to salt the meat and let it sit 24 hours, and then I start to marinate it for another three. And then I need to dry age it for another two. And she's like, I just want steak tacos. I was like, Yeah, but that's the you know, like if you want them to be as good as they were the time before, like it takes time. Yeah, it's there's a, a process, reason that they were right? that good. Right? Yeah. And so, like, that's the the coolest thing is uh um oh, I just brain farted on his name. Jose Andrés. Uh he was the he's been world's best chef a few years uh and he has some great stuff but he makes tomato caviar and it's literally just the seed pot of the tomato but they've dry aged the tomato and so the sugar quantity in the seed pot is at its ripest point wow. so it's like take like the most amount of delicious fresh tomato you can think of like put that in your head and multiply it times a thousand wow and so he literally comes in, it's a little tiny spoon, and it looks like little red, you know, caviar eggs of, of tomato, which is the seed pods. He puts a tiny bit of drizzle of the world's best olive oil and the best sea salt, and that's it. And you're paying $18 for it. <laughs> right. But oh, it's you phenomenal. Have it, and you're like, yeah. fuck, I want yeah. spoonfuls of this shit. But then you go, okay, so it took three years. To develop this, like it took three years of looking at how much time is the perfect amount of time for the tomato to have that ripeness, because tomatoes grow in season, so you can't just be having tomatoes from fucking Thailand with mustard gas that look fucking <laughs> fresh but tastes like shit, right? So it's three years in the in the making of full tomato seasons, trying to develop the perfect tomato caviar. Yeah, right. Like people don't think about that. Like there was a, there's a in Peru there's the one of the top fifty restaurants. And I, I posted this up a few years ago. I have to repost it. They've been trying to make this uh, wild uh, weed that grows in Peru. They've been trying to put it into a dish. It's been 10 years in the making to finally have this dish. Ah. So how can you complain yeah. that a dish that has been 10 years to perfect costs $30 or $40? Like you can't. Like mm-hmm. Think of the amount of hours and hours and hours and hours of present passionate hours trying to figure out how to make this shit taste good.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and so that's, you know, where I was, I had a call yesterday and I had this conversation. I was like, I can give you a piece of meat and you can give me a piece of meat and we can have the same exact recipe. It won't taste the same. Yeah. Right. And so there's hours behind it, but you need to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll show you, because first of all, I probably wouldn't follow the recipe, (laughs) Uh but you know what I mean? But, but it's those small things that you start to pick up just like a coach, like a coach now, or you, when you first started coaching to now are completely different. Totally different. Yeah. Right. And so it goes back to the same exact thing. Like if you want to talk to me, if I were to start to give you a recipe or start saying, you know, these types of tacos, you could be like, yeah, there's no connection, but I'm sure there's an experience of something you had in an amazing restaurant you like fuck and your mouth starts to salivate. like dude i want that right now yeah yeah right so again it's that connection to food it's it's that connection to food comes because you don't fuck you don't have any good memory of fucking well i have a very good memory of chicken and rice in singapore because <laughs> it was bomb but you know what i mean like chicken yeah. and, and boiled broccoli like nobody has a good fucking memory of that boiled chicken and broccoli nobody right so it, it, it's again, it goes back to that's the relationship to food that I want to change. For me, it's like, I want to make sure that you get excited about the food to get excited, to go to the farmer's market and see what kind of new vegetables are in season and go talk to your butcher. Like I go to my butcher and if I want to cut, he's like, come back here. And there's a half a cow and we start butchering it together. Yeah, Like that's the kind of shit that you want to happen. Yeah. It takes more time, but it's your body. Like talking about long-term, like that's the one of the biggest things you can do to affect your life. Is a good relationship with food so you can eat nutritious things. But
0: well, that just makes like all your experiences a little bit better as well. Like your experience of going to the oh, butcher yeah. is much better than just going to the local supermarket and going, I'll take that ribeye right there because it's at the front it's and there's plenty others behind. Like, yeah. No, the exact same. Because that's why people the one complaint people always have is I hate going food shopping. No one likes going food shopping. And it's like because there's oh. no my favorite thing to do yeah, it's the best I'll thing to twice. do. it's the best thing to do we go every day we do some sort of food shop somewhere, yeah. every single day because there's an experience behind it it's like it all Absolutely. adds to the thing yeah 100 i'm with you i love it um yeah well, i'm conscious of your time but i've got a couple more questions i want to ask you one talk to me total tangent now off yeah, the rails yeah. all together is um what makes your day better? Just like personally for you.
1: My I imagine cooking
0: is obviously one.
1: Yeah. Like I woke up this morning and I just thought about making carnita tacos. and I got really excited. <laughs> um, now my day gets better every morning uh, when I wake up and my son's not fuzzy. And then I look over and he's cuddling with my wife and I get to give him a kiss and then go work.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. That that kind of sets
0: the yeah, the parameters pretty, for the day. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, savage start today. Um, and one more for you. Who I always struggle to word this question. Like, <laughs> who do you look up to, or who, who inspires you? And I, I I don't always like saying it like that because I don't know if we should always put people on a pedestal. But who in your life, yeah. or online, or something, uh, inspires you to do better work, more work, be more Richard?
1: Oh shit, man i think everybody kind of inspires me I like that. yeah it's just like it's cool because i start walking in the streets and i'm i'm a very crazy person already but <laughs> you know but just walking on the streets like i get i get super inspired by just meeting people like just this conversation is inspiring like you inspire yeah. me you know what i mean like it's i get inspired easily maybe um but yeah i think just walking out in the streets and just meeting random people like my my a lot of the inspiration comes from right? just talking to people on the streets, like going out, having a drink, and having that conversation. Um, you know, again, big inspiration right now is my wife and my kids, yeah. and what I want to accomplish there. Um, yeah, again I I I I I think that I learn from everybody that I come across. So anybody I come across inspires me at some level.
0: That's awesome. I love that. There's no
1: specific person per se.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I was speaking to Ed a few weeks ago obviously I had him on the show and I suggested about getting you two guys on at some stage together so I'm definitely going to try and plan that Um, if people want to find out more about you Richard where can they go you have loads of places to go for this actually (laughs) yeah (laughs)
1: um, thebarracudaway.com movementayahuasca.com and then uh, my Instagram handle is barracuda, rare barracuda uh, the Barracuda Way and Movement Ayahuasca. Amazing. I think I mentioned five of them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um maybe on the next one we'll get into the ayahuasca stuff a little bit more.
1: Absolutely, man. That's That'd be super great. Super
0: intriguing. Yeah. I love that. It's a good time. Beautiful. Richard, thank you so much.
1: Absolutely, brother. Take care.